Why would we have the Orange Blossom special on the roof? Why would we invite special guests for a day like today? I will tell you why it is. It's because when you know the Lord, and when the Lord lives in your heart, and you love him, one of the greatest desires in the world that you have is for the next generation to love him too, and for the next generation to know him too, and for generations after that. And this week, if you know, in the month of June at Bethel, we've been studying Psalm 78, which is a beautiful psalm about passing a heritage of faith down to our children and to our grandchildren and even to others, children whose parents or grandparents may not know the Lord. And we're willing to do anything that we need to do. People tend to take initiative to do amazing, crazy, creative things when they want other people in the next generation to know the Lord. And that's what, that's what we want. You know, in Psalm 78, there's a, a series of clear directions. Some of them are really happy and joyful, and some of them are really hard and difficult. And as we go continue the series in the next couple of weeks, we'll talk a little bit more about that. But when you get a chance and you, and you go home, you might want to look up on online the notes, some notes for today. What I did there is I gave a series of practical suggestions. People often ask me about what, well, when our children are at home, and we obviously, we, we can go into their room at night. We can, we can kneel down by their bed. We can pray with them. When our children are at home, you know, we can, we can get them up in the morning and we can make them breakfast and we can teach them. We can take them to church with us. So we, we have like kind of high control. We, we can tell them what to wear and, and what to do and what not to do. But it doesn't take long. And God's plan is that they move out on their own. It doesn't take long at all before they start to kind of have their own ideas. And they start to wear what they want to wear. Listen to what they want to listen to. Go to where they want to go. And how can we continually influence them young people that they may even be our own children might be people that we believe that God in the next generation that God wants us to influence. And I thought a lot about that as a pastor and it's something that I wanted to share with you and I have six different things. I want you to hear them now. You can read them. We'll cover them again. We talked about them a little bit before but I want them to be in your mind today. First, think about this. There was a man whose name was Simeon and remember Simeon? Simeon was the old man that went to the temple, and, he, and when Jesus was being dedicated, remember that? The Bible says in Luke, it says that Simeon was led by the Spirit to go to the temple. It's like the Spirit led him, or nudged him, or reminded something. He was this spiritually sensitive person. And a number of these things, by the work of the Holy Spirit in us, to influence the next generation for God, when we seek the Spirit's power or influence in us, then we have a spiritual influence on the generations to come. Like, seek the Spirit's power to be an example of spiritual vitality. What's the first thing we want to do? To influence another generation. Show them what it looks like. Be an example. As Scripture says in Psalm 92, 14, they still bear fruit in old age. They're ever full of sap and green. It's interesting. It says they bear fruit in old age. Think about that in a sense like, when we're older and we don't have little children living maybe in the house, but we still want to influence generations, there needs to be evidence of the fruit of the Spirit in our life. 
Um, in second, seek the Spirit's guidance to figure out new ways to love them. So you don't give up on when kids are out, you, you know, kids are out of the home and you can't, you can't uh, take them out to play in the evening in the front yard. You can still be very creative and you can think of ways to love them. You can seek the Spirit's direction about how to love them. Third, seek the Spirit's conviction to be tender over sin, especially any sin that you may have committed against them. Not to be morbidly introspective, but just to say, Lord, is there anything in my life that I need to be tenderhearted about? Is there any mistake that I've made, any anger that I've expressed, any wrongdoing, uh, maybe any ugly prejudice, something, is there anything that I can seek forgiveness for? Because one of the main things that you want to do to influence other people spiritually is to get them to walk with God, to turn away from their sin, so they see your example of that. So seek the Spirit's power to be an example of spiritual vitality, to look for new ways to love, the Spirit's conviction to be tender over sin, the Spirit's resolve to pray and never doubt. The Bible says pray without ceasing, always rejoice, always be thankful. And fifth, seek the Spirit's clearance about when to talk and when not to talk, about what to say and what not to say. You know, Jesus himself said, don't take what's holy and give it to the dogs. Don't cast your pearls before swine. That'd be also true, don't always tell the next generation what you're thinking. Wait to see if they're open to hear what you're thinking. We, you did your teaching and your training when they were young, and, and now what you want to do is be really sensitive to see if they have ears to hear if they're spiritually receptive. Jesus said that over and over again to those who have ears to hear. The book of Revelation, over and over again to each of the churches, it says to those who have ears to hear. In Hebrews, it says, I have a lot to tell you. Whoever wrote Hebrews said, I have a lot to tell you, but you're not ready to hear it right now. And so I would just encourage you, don't be discouraged about the next generation. Maybe they don't want to listen right now. Just pray for them and love them and, and seek, uh, seek the Spirit's guidance about how to love them and be an influence, be an example, confess your own sin, and wait for the opportunity when it, when, you know, when clearly the Spirit's given you direction to speak to them. And there's some other scriptures that I've given you about that. The Bible says the spirit of a servant of the Lord must not quarrel. In the, in the Living Bible, in 2 Timothy 2, 24, it says, God's people must not be quarrelsome, but gentle and patient teaching those who are wrong. Be humble when you're trying to teach those who are mixed up concerning the truth. If you talk meekly and courteously to them, they're more likely with God's help to turn away from their wrong ideas and believe what's true. And then they'll come to their senses and they'll escape Satan's trap of slavery to sin, which he uses to catch them whenever he likes, and they then can be doing the will of God. There's a spiritual thing that has to happen in them. And so there, there's people in the next generation that we want to influence for God and we may or may not speak truth to them. We may pray for them, be an example to them, be, be tender about our own sin, continually find creative ways to love them, and then speak to them when you have a sense that the Spirit has given you direction to speak about when to speak and what to say. And the sixth thing is never, never give in to discouragement. When you have loved ones that aren't walking with the Lord, don't give in to discouragement. Just look at it like this. As long as my heart is still beating, there's somebody on earth that's going to be loving you. There's somebody on earth that's going to be praying for you. There's somebody on earth that's going to be influencing you. There's somebody that's here trying to be, live the Jesus life and be an example. 
And you think about that. If you have a mighty army of people that are like that, God will give those people influence, spiritual influence over generations. He's promised he will. And he said he's capable to make our influence leap over generations to a thousand generations, he said, to a thousand generations. When I was uh, just a boy, I think I told you before, that I, I went to this little camp. It was a humble little camp. One of the things about the camp that I remember with such fondness was this gentleman that was there. He was an old bachelor farmer pastor from way down in southern Ohio. He's in, he was from the county in Ohio that, along the Ohio River that's actually significantly south of, of Cincinnati, a little bit east of there and deep in the south part of Ohio. And he, he, he inherited, he and his brother Harry, his name was Suter Hoople, and his brother Harry Hoople, both Christian men, and they inherited a farm from their father. In the early, in the eight, his father got at the farm in 1860. In about 1880, a man came through town, came through this, the, the old place there in the countryside, and he was famous for planting apple trees. You, you would, you've heard of him. His name, they called him Johnny Appleseed. And he planted the original apple trees on their farm. And so these old farmers, these old, this Suter Hoople, the pastors, Brother Harry, they're devout Christian men with little guys with white hair, pleasant countenance, humble men. And they would come to this camp and they would be counselors at this camp. When I was a little boy, Suter Hoople was one of my counselors at camp. In the evening after chapel time, he would gather the boys, six or eight boys, and we would go out and we would, we would kneel down and pray together. Or, or he would get us in our bunks at night. He would tell us stories from his Bible, stories from the Bible. And then later on, when I was about 14 and 15 and 16 and 17, I was a counselor in the camp, and he was still a counselor in the camp. So we would be counselors together. And one of the most wonderful things about that camp was what would happen after the evening service, we would have a Vespers service in the evening. They would call it Vespers, evening Vespers. It was a delightful service, and the camp would get cool and quiet and dark, and the fireflies would come out, and the, the light, the stars would come out. And after a chapel, we would make our way back to our dorm. They had a big, long barracks-like dorm, and all the boys would sleep in these little cots along the, the roads in the dorm. And one night, when I was a counselor, uh, Suter Hoople came over to me very quietly and he said, you know, Ken, if you want it, if you want it, if it helps the boys get quieted down, you can tell them that when they're quiet, I'll play my harmonica for them. I said, all right, that'll be great. So I said to the boys, hey, get, you know, get your teeth brushed and get into your bunks because if you're really quiet, Mr. Suter Hoople is going to play the harmonica for us. And the guys thought that was great. And so they all got their teeth brushed and stopped their fooling around and making their noises and such. And they all got in their little beds and we turned the lights out. And then Suter Hooper would walk up and down the, aisle, the rows and he'd play old songs like Whispering Hope or old songs like The Little Brown Church in the Vale. And you can just hear that harmonica music waft out over the evening as the little boys went to sleep. Well, I was going to tell you a, a bit about that today, and I, I investigated a little bit farther about, about Harry Hoople and about Suter Hoople, and I discovered some things about them that I really didn't know before. The family passed the farm down in the family. Harry Hoople had a son, who has a grandson named Harry, and he now still operates the orchard. You can see a picture of it on the internet. 
It says closed on Sunday because we want to put God first. But what was interesting is this is what I discovered that I didn't know before. In about 1974, 75, I was 16, 17 years old, and I was a counselor there with them. But what I didn't know was in about 1969, Harry Hoople and Suter Hoople, the brothers, they decided they would take 33 of the, pro, of the premium acres of the farm that they inherited, and they would donate it to a Christian organization to build a camp for kids in those hills of southern Ohio. And they donated that. And in 1974, they built the first buildings. And today, as a matter of fact, there's a link in your notes. You can actually go visit it. You can see this story on the camp's website. You can see the camp website. Sir Hoople and his brother Harry donated a huge chunk of their home estate. So summer after summer after summer after summer, little boys and little girls, teenage boys and teenage girls, could lay in their bunks at night just before they went to sleep. And they could hear stories, the story that Jesus Christ died for their sin. Now, why would they go and do something like that? I'll tell you why. Because when Jesus really lives in your heart, and when you really know him, and when you've experienced his love, you have to do something to tell the next generation. I want to bless you as you go today. And so let me dismiss, dismiss you with this blessing. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. God bless you to a thousand generations.